Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. I'm really excited for you to hear this next episode. One of my really good friends, Guy Allen, joins the conversation. And here's the funny thing. I used to really not like Guy. I remember when I was in this little Facebook group called the Heretic Happy Hour, back before they charged you to be a part of their group. And I had interactions with Guy, you know, and in this group, there were so many different deconstructing ideas going on. And maybe it was just because I was trying to stay in my own little bubble and trying to figure out my own transformation that I was kind of hostile towards Sky, but I was to the point where I remember creating a post in the group of thousands of members voting, asking people to vote to get Guy Allen removed from the group. It didn't work. Um, I think I ended up pulling myself out of the group because I was like, they'll just let anybody in here. And uh, turns out, then I really connected with Guy. It was like he was going through his own shifting, and I was going through my own shifting. And somewhere along the lines of our shifting, we started realizing we were tearing open kind of the same ideas. And then he connected with my husband, too, Corey. And we love this person. He travels all around the country all the time. He is a spontaneous person. Sometimes he'll text me and he'll be like, I'm in Mexico. And other times he'll be like, I'm watching the sunset from your neck of the woods. I'm over on Lake Michigan. And one of these days, Mr. Guy Allen is going to have to trek up here to good old Minnesota in the corn capital of Olivia. But until then, Zoom conversations do enough justice that we can give you another example of a conversation of two people who don't always see eye to eye, who don't believe the same things, and we don't agree about everything, but we can see that we're human, we can see that we're divine, and we can share in discussions and break down ideas and have a really good time. So throughout this conversation, we get into Druidism and paganism, talk about traditional witchcraft, pre-Christian traditions, ancient Greek mysticism. We talk about spiritual paths and how they're always evolving, um, you know, and, 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 the, and this basic idea that you can't listen to someone if they don't agree with the status quo, right? This is what is going on right now. This is what we're witnessing. You won't listen to someone if they don't agree with the status quo or refusing to listen to somebody if you already know they're not going to agree with you because... And, and I got into a little um, debacle about this very discussion with a different friend in that friends shouldn't always agree with you. Friends don't always need to tell you every idea that you have is good. Sometimes you need a real good friend to call you out on shit and to be able to have adult conversations with you in disagreement and even leaving the discussion. You don't have to agree, but can we come to a mutual understanding? And that's what I appreciate about Guy. And that's what I totally appreciate about a lot of my friends and a lot of the people that I've actually had on this podcast. I have had issues with. We have had conflicts. There have been challenges to our relationships. But the most beautiful thing about relationships is how resilient they are and how necessary conflict is to help challenge those relationships to grow outside of the containers that we plant them in. Unfortunately, the conflicts that had taken place between Guy and I, just ideological conflicts really, kind of forced us to bust out of this small little container that we had started with our connection and we've been growing a friendship. And this conversation, I learned a lot about Guy. There was so much that I didn't know And I'm super happy that he gets to share it with you, the audience, as well. And so as I ask you always, listeners, please compassionately consider the perspective of my dear friend, Guy Allen. Enjoy the episode. Why do you have three houses? 
Uh, one I bought when I was a kid, like 23, when I was married, got it back. Um, uh, one when I got divorced, uh, I moved into the hood because I was basically homeless for about six months. So I got it real cheap during the housing debacle crash thing of 2008. And the other was one that I was uh, I bought with my um, with uh, the intention of my ex and um, her little girl moving up to. And then uh, we split up about a month after I bought it. So oh, yeah. yeah, I got three fucking houses. Well, at least you always have a place to go. I guess if I have the power turned on them. You're right. Yeah, you always got a spot. So, you don't want me to talk to you about your relationships, but we're going to sneak that out anyway. Well, I said it'll probably come out. Because I'm going to share this, and I don't want people thinking things about me. Oh, well, we want them thinking things about you. (laughs) I want people to forget me. (laughs) I was thinking today about one of the first times I interacted with you, and it was, I think, in the Heretic Happy Hour group. Oh, those guys. Is that, I think that's where we kind of first started connecting. And I remember, wasn't it you that I dedicated a post to that we should had, have you kicked out? Yeah. 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 Because I was just like, who the fuck is this guy? Shut him up. I don't like him. And he didn't. <laughs> You've been friending me a couple times, too, since we've been on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I think we've, we friended, I friended and unfriended you a couple times because I am reactive that way. <laughs> all right, be who you are. Yeah. Most people want to murder me when they first see me and get to know me, so it's all right. Oh, do they? You just kind of have that vibe <laughs> about you? <laughs> I think I seek it out. <laughs> no, but I remember that's where it was, and I remember I used to complain about you to Corey, and then he joined the group so he could see what I was complaining about. And then we all ended up connecting and becoming friends. So <laughs> after I was like, "Can let's go, well, let's get guy kicked out of here." <laughs> <laughs> I've been kicked out of anarchist fucking groups and co- Christian communist groups, and I, you, you know, uh, I kind of troll, I guess. Yeah, you you like to start things. You like to go poke yeah. at people. Well, I think uh, I've got an inquiring mind and, you know, maybe I'm mirroring something, trying to get it back to learn, you know, or grow me or something. I don't know. Don't be trying to get in my head right now. Oh, I'm all about getting in the head. And yeah, we'll (laughs) leave it at that. (laughs) I was going to take it sideways. Um, So what I do want to get in your head about, though, is just kind of like, what have you been what have you been doing as of lately for spiritual connection? Oh, wow. Um, I've been um, studying a lot of like uh, Druid, Druid, Pagan, um, not a lot, maybe just one person, one, but he's got several books, um, traditional witchcraft kind of stuff, not the trendy, you know, Wicca stuff. Old school. did Wicca, but it's there's something deeper. Yeah. 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 This is, you know, this is like pre Christian um, religions I'm kind of looking into. I'm, I'm uh, really digging to Peter Kingsley stuff, which I think I shared with you. Yeah. I like Peter Kingsley. Yeah. And the and Greek mysticism, like ancient mm-hmm. Greek mysticism, which I learned about from studying the, the witchcraft stuff. Um, the, the writer was speaking about him. So that's really been speaking to me lately. Um, but I don't, I'm always vibing on some spiritual thing. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm being guided, you know, yeah. and things just come to me and are in my path. And you, if you ask somebody that really knows me well, they'll say, yeah, you, you speak it, it'll happen. And shit does, shit comes to me. I'm looking for something, I find it like two days later. And things happen to me in threes. You know, there's like, I um, was born on the third. That's a good number. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, I go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say what happens in threes. Like what? Well, I'm just gonna uh, like jobs. Um, Sometimes I'll, uh, you know, get a lot of times I'll get jobs, the same situation three times completely. No, not connected to, you know, people aren't connected. And and it's just like, you know, a crawl space job or they'll get three in a row or I'll get, 
a showery model job, three in a row. And, and, but it also happens in, you know, real life too, I guess, but I don't yeah. record that so much cause it doesn't affect me, but I, I don't know. I just feel like, um, I feel like my spiritual path is always evolving and growing. And, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, somebody, uh, posted something on Facebook because I still am on there but I'm hiding oh. <laughs> I got yeah I've got a troll account actually I got like two troll accounts going right now so. oh you'll have to shoot me those later so I can no, at least no you can't go on I, I can tell you the names and you may be able to find me but I don't want to get my friends involved because I'm probably dealing with some people that could hack you know and I don't want to oh. get their shit jacked up so well I don't want maybe wanna, maybe <laughs> hackers, probably, hackers are cool people, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, these yeah. are Nigerian, Ghana, African hackers. I don't know. That's a little whole different level of hacking, I think. What are you doing with that kind of crowd? <laughs> Is that where you're learning your witchcraft? Oh, I'm no, good. it just seems like I've hit this hive with this one account that I have of um, uh, people, scam account, spam accounts or scam accounts or fake accounts, whatever you want to call them, just wanting me to become their friends. I've... Uh, I've woke up this morning with 300 friend requests and I've gotten another four or 500 today. And I've wow. friended all of them. I've friended every fucking one of those people. Wow. Maybe I need to I, do that. Start hitting well, yes to all the friends. Yes. Yeah. Well, my thing is maybe we can crash the fucking social media system by encouraging this hive to get out there and wreak havoc. Is that why you're hiding? Because you got booted from Facebook, didn't you? Under your name, you got booted. Yeah, I got booted for there. Um, and now I'm not ever going to probably go back in a personal way. Yeah. You know, I'm on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, some other covert uh, covert um, sites, you know, messaging sites and stuff like that. So. Yeah, social media has really been um, erasing people left and right. Like, yeah, I think I just read Steven Crowder was just canceled from social media. And I'm like, what? Like you can't listen to anybody if they don't agree with the status quo. Yeah, it's it's different. It's a new form of, of governing people, I believe. It's scary what's going on right now. And and an anarchist like myself can't be jiving with shit like that. No, no. But I mean, not everybody can like just go fucking take a break and what do you what go travel the country like you do? That's a good <laughs> escape plan though. I mean like that has to help you kind of stay stabilized and balanced, right? Just kind of, you to be just able to take journeys. traveling. Yeah. 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 You know, journeys are spiritual things for me. They change me. Um, I just came back from Mexico. I was there uh, from the 8th, and which I think was a Wednesday of February to the following week. I don't know. I probably got the dates wrong. No, I think I was like there for the 4th through the 8th or something like that. I was there five days. And that came to me a friend was down there she's kind of like a digital nomad type of person you know just making her money with her laptop as she goes they were down Marida. i'm trying to say it like the mexicans do but i'd say Marida when i first heard about it Marida, <laughs> mexico it's like four hours outside of cancun and she invited me down i got a 300 dollars round trip ticket told the dude i was doing a remodel on it like I got this opportunity to go to Mexico. What do you think? He said, get out of here and do it. So I was like, hell yeah. yeah. But uh, that was, the reason I'm speaking, that was such a guided journey for me. From the book I was reading to the people I encountered to the things I learned about myself on how to interact in a, a culture that's not mine. I don't even speak the language, you know. Thank God for cell phones because I was able to yeah. dial in. Um like magic mushrooms and show it to people in, in Spanish. <laughs> Cause I was trying to get mushrooms down there, but no, <laughs> I did find weed. I did get it off. But, uh, so, but yeah, um, I went to uh, Chichen Itza, which is, um, the Mayan capital. Mm. Um, I've learned that Mexico is called like the navel of the moon. I didn't know that Mexico is named that. That's what, and there's been, and I've been associated with a lot of moon uh, mythologies lately. So that was like kind of yeah. powerful me to be going that. I had my astrology uh, chart read by a Mayan thump something, whatever. I don't know what he was. I gave him 22 bucks. He came back with all this stuff. And I'm now studying through that to see what it looks like. Um, 
I, I participated in seven rituals. Uh, one was a Catholic mass. Two were water rituals. Uh, one was like a bath on top of a rooftop under the stars. And, um, wow. that, that was my personal thing. I, I consider that a ritual. Um, a, a swimming in a cenotes, which is a hole in the ground with water left over from the seas to cover that part of the, uh, the, the world, you know, the country. And then four shamanic ceremonies. A dude, uh, one of the ladies that we stayed with had a, um, a gentleman that she had met and uh, he was a shaman. He came and he did some um, juju over us. And then at that cenotes, I got hooked up with some shamans there and we went through some stuff. Three different times I wow. came back to them and they did another ceremony. Did another ceremony. I didn't know what they were saying. There's this real little bitty gal next to me who was, a, you know, a Mexican gal and she spoke pretty good English. So she was trying to interpret, but I just felt like, you know, God was just opening up cool things and uh, showing yeah. me, you know, um, the other ways, you know, so. That's and really I came awesome. Back. Yeah. I came back with a, a heavy heart, sad. I had never, you know, I travel a lot and that's the heart that's most sad I've ever come back from a trip. It softened my heart. Huh. It it opened my, my, uh, myself up to ways that I'd never thought I was I went in there panicking the night before I was going to fly out I was just laying in bed and my heart was just like, like what the fuck because I was going to fly in Cancun take a four hour a bus from the airport to downtown Cancun and then four hours on another bus before I even found my friends and like I never do shit like this I you know I can travel all over the U.S. and be comfortable but I don't do stuff like this so I did it, and you know it's uh, it was great. Once I got there, I just peace. I never felt fear or anything the whole time I was there. But the night before, I was shitting bricks. <laughs> yeah, I think I would be too if I was going so fast to a new country and yeah, just experience a new worldview would be. I'd be freaking out, but that's awesome that it was so spiritual for you. I um. Did you do Did you do any um, ayahuasca while you were there? No, but I am scheduled to do one the twenty first of uh, a ceremony the twenty first of this next month, the weekend of the twenty first, nineteenth or whatever, something like that. But, Are you going back down yeah. there for it? No, I'm going to Kentucky. There's a dude on Vox. <laughs> you know what Vox is? Have you yeah. seen this shit? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Well, there's an ayahuasca guy on Vox. He's got like a five series deal they did on him. And he was a bank robber at one time. This is the story. And he went to the joint and um, met this Peruvian guy in the joint and told him all about ayahuasca. Uh, when he got out of the joint, this guy and him stayed connected. And now that guy sends him ayahuasca and he does ayahuasca ceremonies in Kentucky under the guise of like some Native American church bullshit stuff but he gets away with it so yeah I'm you going. can if you if you if you put it under some kind of religious caveat you can get away with administering that and leading the tours in it and i didn't know that it's pretty cool yeah yeah and if you, you you watch this guy on this box thing and he's like totally not what you think of as a shaman this guy's like you can tell he's like redneckish street smart kind of cocky you know real blunt he's kind of seems like he's a dick or he's putting on an act, you know, mm-hmm. but you know what? I might be okay with that culture that he's got there better than my monkey ass flying down to freaking Peru and some culture. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And dealing with the culture shock and, you know, learning to trust the path and then yeah. fucking going into some trauma, you know, deep cycle, psych, um, psychedelic experience. Uh, I think I'd be more comfortable in Kentucky doing this shit than Peru. So yeah, I'm yeah, you don't to have to worry Kentucky. about customs or anything. <laughs> I'm going to Kentucky. So. I like that. That's awesome. Have you ever done it before? Will it be your first time? Yeah, it'll be my first time. Um, I was scheduled to do it this time last. The time I'm going down is actually a year from the time I was scheduled last year. Okay. And that it was like March 21st or something when I was supposed to be down there. And that's and when, when the, COVID canceled everything. COVID shit on everything. Yeah. That's when the disease came. Um, yeah. And, and so uh, I've been 
patiently waiting for them to contact me and shooting them emails off every once in a while. Say, hey, how's it going? You know, being polite. And and they finally said, yeah, we're ready to do it. Let's come on down. So That's so cool. I think that's, I want to try that at some point, but I would have no idea how to do it in Minnesota. Like, who do you call for that? And then yeah. I probably wouldn't want to advertise it either because I've already had so many issues since I started my psychedelic journey. Like I had CPS called on me and because I wrote oh. about it and I talked about it in my podcast and my brother-in-law decided that that meant I wasn't a good parent and I should lose my children. So, <laughs> well, you got some feuding going on up in there. Like the, it's been calm yeah. lately. It's been really nice actually. Um, but that's it's because cold. Well, it's cold and we're in crisis mode right now because the, the hog contract was not renewed. And that is the majority of the revenue that comes into this farm on mm. the off season. And so they were caring for 9,000 hogs on the site. Now they'll be lucky if they get 4,000. And so now it's like, how do we generate income and how do we utilize all these barns? Mm -hmm. And so Corey's mind is going a mile a minute. Like he's super excited yeah. about it because he has so many regenerative farming ideas that he wants to mm -hmm. implement here. And so we'll go there. But I think because of that crisis, it has distracted from me, which is nice. Yeah. And so there doesn't seem to be drama right now. And the restraining okay. order is working well. And <laughs> <laughs> well, you look safe. You look yeah. good. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, staying safe. I go out and play in the snow when I can. Go water the cattle. Go take care of the chickens. And then I, I don't like the cold. I like to look at it, but I don't like mm -hmm. to experience it. So, I'm a bookworm yeah. during the winter. That's nice. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. So, the 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 druid stuff that you're digging into. What's that about? Well, I'm just kind of getting into their. Um, I guess cosmology you know their um their creation vibe you know they basically from the guy i'm reading it's a robin artisan is his name and he's a sorcerer out of uh, maine and i was in maine in october and i was trying to hook up with him but he was it was the week of halloween so he was kind of busy that week <laughs> you know was like let's go have some coffee but um the reason why i say him because i think he stands out differently from the other ones i've uh, encountered them um, but uh you know i'm learning about the fates i don't know if you know about those how they believe i do not know anything really mm -hmm. well so i can't i don't feel comfortable articulating a lot of it because i'm still processing some you know well just tell me what you know yeah and but i am going yeah what's coming to mind now is um they their belief in the afterlife is kind of really cool and they and their belief in how we've come to be is really cool and what that actually means you know they believe that you know it's animistic so every all this energy and, and material are working together to create and recreate in cyclical ways and and um be you know once we pass away what we are will just dissipate back into the environment you know if we weren't in coffins you know, like our stuff would be absorbed into the soil and brought back into nature and be repurposed in a different energy way. And well, the other part of us could go and become a tree or a deer or a cloud, you know, it's just, you know, but becoming even a human is like a special event, you know, it's like when you become a human, you need to really cherish that because it's a rare thing actually in the whole cosmos. And, and so that we, put our energy into doing and becoming the best, you know, humans that we can. And I think it's cool. That's so. really cool. Actually. Yeah. It, yeah. I kind of don't like that view only because it makes me feel like becoming a tree after I die seems really boring, but <laughs> I think it's actually beautiful. And just, just you depicting that, that this energy and this matter, I mean, so like the last time I tripped, uh, I could like see beyond the dimension of just this, this 3D reality that we live in. I could see beyond it. It was like I could see part. I know this sounds so crazy, but it was like I could see the particles. I could see the energy. I could see these sparks of energy like in this like almost web form right in front of me that I had never witnessed before. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I felt like I came to this knowing of, 
we are always a part of this universe and that doesn't change, but we just kind of changed the way that we group in the energy form. And so just putting those two ideas together, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty nice outlook for what happens in the afterlife to know that you're still there. And that's kind of, you know, whenever I talk to my kids about death, I try to give them some kind of a positive hope to not be so scared of it. And I'm like, you know, if I ever go and you're still young and you miss me, I'll be in the clouds because mm-hmm. I have a thing for clouds. I, you know, I think ever since I was a kid, I just wished I could just be a cloud or be in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And so that was just kind of like my signal, like just always look at the clouds and I'll be there. But to take it even further to be like, I'm in the air that you're breathing, you know, and I will mm-hmm. be in the dirt that you are planting seeds in. I will be in the tree that you're climbing. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment yeah. like, to know that we're always still here, meaning we never go anywhere. Well, and, and helping to, uh, to sustain what sustain does, you know, um, it's not just like just take off that shitty ass planet. That's that wretched planet where we're actually participating in providing the same type of creation that, that nurtured who we are. Yeah. I think and that's a good, a good gift. I think that's a lot. That's a lot act of love right there. It is. And so do you think then in that idea, what is the, what is the climate condition um, challenge for a belief system like that? Oh. Is there an urgency to make sure we protect the planet so that we can still continue to cycle through it? Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, if you treat it as if it's your ancestors, you know, it's your, your, um, your people are in it. You're going to be in it. Kind of approach it from that perspective. Maybe little people will not shit on it so much, but there's a, man, I don't know if, I don't know if we can reverse things. You know, I think there's the, the reckoning going <laughs> to come down. I think uh, COVID was part of it. Mm. You know, that, uh, I don't think humanity looks like now is going to be here much longer but i think we have less time than the time we've already gone through as a species really i don't know what that means yeah hmm. i mean it, I, I just think we're fucking stupid <laughs> you know as a species <laughs> we really are we're so dumb we like we poison ourselves and we pollute the the places that we live in and we argue about the dumbest things and we fail to see like what's really important. So we are stupid. Yeah. We are disconnected from nature for certain. And so it sounds like this kind of druid paganistic system, they're more in tune with nature, right? Yeah. 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 Um, one of the writers that he, he, um, suggest which i have a book by him i just haven't got into it because it's kind of thick and i'm kind of add i can't freaking do all that (laughs) i just pick up pieces of it and and run with it and i may be totally misrepresenting the whole damn thing but god damn it i'm gonna make it mine (laughs) exactly uh, is uh david david abrams he said um that we exist because we sense each other it's because of our senses that's what makes us exist. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, Spell of the Sensuous is what it's called. And it's, it was just a quote in this um, Robin's, one of Robin's books. And I was like, hell, I got that book. And that really just dug into me for a while. You know, it's because of me hearing you and you hearing me and us participating. You know, it's part of how come we exist, you know. Yeah our existence is validated and perpetuated by the way we interact and sense each other. And Mm. with the technology like we're doing now, we're starting to step away from sensing each other. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a big step away with, you know, schools being, you know, on pads now and kids being at home learning. They have to, they're in their home, you know, the place that is a nurturing place. Hopefully, you know, something, not all, a lot of kids, that's a nurture. That's where the toys are. Their rooms are but they're forced to like be conditioned with the screen in front of their face. And there's a kind of a, it's detracting from that space too. You know what I mean? And, and then let alone just in entertainment since, you know, we're always on screens now and people are you know, not connecting, you know, it's uh, I don't know. That's a step away from us sensing each other. I think. I, I agree with that. Yeah. 
So that that disturbs me. I mean, uh, there's so many kids are on these tablets these days, and well, what are they going to look like in 20 years? Well, <laughs> who's going to be taking care of things in 20 years? You know. And what My, are they going to be paying attention to? Yeah, what's 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 going to blindside them? What's what's happening when they're not paying attention? Yeah, you know, and, or they're paying attention to what the stage says you need to pay attention to. Yeah, I I feel that big time. I I really focus like a lot of what I do with like the erotic embodiment advising is I'm a big proponent of movement and touch, and I think we don't do it a lot. Like we don't touch people, yeah. we don't move our bodies. Um, we definitely are not connecting to nature, and these are kind of practices that I think are important incorporating because they do focus on the senses like, and in relationships, especially we connect more than just through words or physical things. I mean, it's emotional and it's mental, but it's, it includes all the senses. We smell each other. We taste each other. We hear each other, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and what happens when we find ourselves content with limiting those dimensions of those senses and then we never learn how to read people. We never know how to sense people's energies. I think that's the thing that's missing big time is people don't know how to read people anymore or sense them or feel their energy. Mm-hmm. And so what we have this conditioned bias right now, we just assume everybody's angry, assume everybody's <laughs> upset or outraged and, and keep that going <laughs> and keep it going. And then we're missing the part that we're misinterpreting everything because we can't physically touch them or sense them and it's right. so weird how everyone tries to normalize it they're like this is just the way things are now technology and i'm like okay technology can continue to advance but we don't need to make technology our god like right that's a problem for me and right. i think that contributes to like the massive outrage and perpetual anger is just we're not connected to people now. We're scared to connect to people because they might get us sick now. And now you got what fucking Dr. Fauci like, we don't know if you'll be able to return to normal. You might never go to a movie again. And you're like, what? I might never get to see my, you know, you've got these people who are legitimately scared who haven't seen people that they love for like a year. I did not go that route. I was like, fuck that. My mm-hmm. kids, my kids don't, two of my older kids don't live with me, but they still visit me. They are still going about their business. They, they have all continued to work and their partners and Corey couldn't stop working. And so life for us, especially here in rural Minnesota has been very insulated and we haven't been as impacted mm-hmm. by it. Cause I think rural people are just kind of natural rebels, but all these people <laughs> are thinking that their normal is going to be isolated and that's literally going to kill people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I, I, my daughter, I have two daughters. I have a daughter that lives in Texas and she's spitting out babe, grandbabies and they're amazing. And I got a daughter that lives in Roanoke and she's about ready to get married to her partner in November. Alice and her, they're getting married. But uh, I feel so much at home when I'm sitting in a room with my kids, you know, I travel and I got friends and, and when, when I'm with my kids, I feel at home. You know, I can go to my mom's and stuff, but she's got a step, my step old man there that I don't really give a shit to see. <laughs> but when it's just me and my mom, I feel at home. And when I'm with my dad, I feel at home. You know, it, that's a good thing, you know, to feel at home with a, another human being. And I think you're right. I think we're, you know, that's probably why you guys do have it. You, you, you are a family. You're sticking it out, you know. I'm I'm single bachelor dude. I kind of zip around i got customers and i got friends and stuff like that but uh you know my everybody's away from me so yeah uh, yeah i kind of gotta have some other social activity sometimes and so i am guilty of creating the troll account and of um spammers and and going and spamming people on the hair attack happy hour (laughs) (laughs) or trolling them i mean so you know what they deserve it they're trolls themselves so God, they feed into it. They just keep feeding into it. The fucking they, Matthew and Keith, they just keep feeding. You know, yeah, people are broken. The church did bad things, but get the fuck over it, man. Everybody a lot of people suffers. do that, right? They get caught up in their their original anger and resentment, and they live through that contempt, and they cycle through it, and then they write more books about it. And I'm like, yep. are you going to keep going? Are you going to get, that was my problem with them. That's like one of the reasons I couldn't write the book with Matthew. I was like, 
we have to dig into shit. Like we're writing about relationships. We have to dig into shit. We have to face shit. We have to mm-hmm. stop living in this. You just created another box. Talking about leaving the box. You guys are giving yourselves a new box to put in. And now you're having all these people follow you and telling them to be complacent, not in that box, but this big shiny new box. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're missing the point. You're supposed to keep going. And if you yep. need to be angry about it, get angry about it. But can you evolve your articulation and expression of that anger? So it looks right. a little bit more compassionate. So it looks like fucking grace, you know, like. And, and universalist. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing. We're universalists. But fuck them guys. Fuck and fuck those people. And yep. fuck them. And don't fucking dare say anything about us. because We're fucking universalists. Like, motherfucker, you're supposed to be the, the most accepting theological take there is and if you're a universalist in my mind you should be like have the love of christ like flowing out of you people should just gravitate to you you should levitate if you're a universalist <laughs> you really should fuck, you really should them fuckers are chained to rocks oh i know but you know that's that whole what well, i was saying that to someone today to do i said we don't just have identity politics we have identity religion and we all have to attach ourselves to these little labels and the intersections and add on the layers of the oppression and the trauma and the suffering. And I'm like, but you're still making me focus on all the bullshit. I don't mm-hmm. want to focus on the bullshit. I want to focus on the beautiful and the good stuff. I want to focus yeah. on, you know, how the can we, life. right. The abundant life. And how can we focus on just learning to continue loving people mm-hmm. instead of separating ourselves from people? Much. Yeah. Do you hear uh, them be- beagles back there? I hear those beagles. Are they, are they bad on your end? They sound like dogs to me. Well, I don't want it to be like disturbing you when you talk. Well, it's okay. Some Shut of the, the hell up, man. <laughs> Shut up, you goddamn animals. We can, I can edit. I'm good at editing. Don't worry. I think, who was it? One time I had someone on and they had a fucking bird in the background and i was like what the hell is that sound and it was just this weird cooing thing and i'm like wow okay so we have them all sometimes my cat will jump up and be like meow i gotta edit you know it was really funny last week i published an episode and i missed an edit and it was the part where i was literally like can you be quiet aiden And I thought I had taken it out and then I published it and my husband comes in like 20 minutes later. He's like, you didn't, he's like, you didn't edit that part out. It says <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I almost want to leave it there. But I was like, ah, it might distract people. <laughs> so I went and edited it, but it, it was funny. I wasn't embarrassed. I'm like, that's hilarious. That's my struggle. Getting them to, to do you be quiet when I'm recording. <laughs> okay. Did you read Michael Pollan's um, how to change your mind book. Yeah. Yeah. I read that last year. That was one of the first books I read. And then I found Jack call from psychedelic. He wrote psychedelic Christianity. And so right after I read that one, I found that I found Jack call and then I had Jack call on and he shared his psychedelic Christian experience, the psychedelic church he was a part of. And so from there I was like, I need to know more about these psychedelics. And then what was really funny is it was in, Late September, I found out my son, my he's 19, he was he tried it. And I was mm-hmm. like, he called me or he FaceTimed me and he's like, What do you know about LSD? And so I start just going on and on about everything I've been reading and learning about it. And he's like, I'm on it right now, Ma. And I'm like, why didn't Ooh. you invite me? And so he came out the next weekend and was my little trip advisor and Brought me you some LSD. Me yeah. And it was yeah. so cool. And so ever since October, I've been embarking on this psychedelic journey and Good. It's, it's helping. It's so helpful. I have noticed so many changes in my life, just my reactivity levels and how I can bounce back from things that I feel upset about. And the science behind it is incredible. And I wish more people knew about it. So yeah, psychedelics are like super cool right now in my in my view. I think um, I, you know I took a, a lot of them when I was like sixteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. but I would like end up in jail, crashing cars, um, you know, stupid stuff, you know, 
trashing things, crashing cars into mailboxes and off of it, it. I think when you're too young and your brain's not mm-hmm. developed, you probably should avoid those things, especially guy. If you're guy Allen. Um, <laughs> so that shit jacked me up when I was, when I was um, doing it then. And I hadn't done it since I was maybe 18 or 19 years old. But I was watching a podcast or listening to a podcast when I was on my way out to Colorado with uh, Jordan Peterson, Ruben, Dave Rubin thing. And it's like a panel discussion. I think even um, what's the little Jewish guy's name? Uh, ben Shapiro. The book we, yeah, the book I tried to help be a part of. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> so they were talking and, uh, and Peterson brought up that psychedelics were being used in, you know, uh, trial studies for you know post-traumatic stress syndrome folks and and uh you know uh, depression and anxieties and things like that well that got me interested in because a, a dear friend that wrestled with some of that stuff you know and i wanted to you know try to help in some way um and so that's kind of what got me back into it and about three years now so um yeah, it's, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this because, um, but yeah, it's been a neat journey, I guess. Um, I've got some DMT too. Don't, you ain't going to show this to the cops, are you? No. Oh, DMT? My you son ever done DMT? That. Okay. Uh-uh. No. Is, is that the crystals? Yeah. That you smoke? It, it's, a, it's like a mimosa bark uh, derivative thing, derived thing. It's like smoking plastic and yeah. I can't do it. It hurts. It hurts my lungs. I had, you know, pneumonia when I was a baby. So my lungs, I don't even like to smoke weed because it fucks with my lungs. I'd like to eat it. But I couldn't do it. I mean, I've done it and had a good trip before, but I got some thinking that, you know, I'll try this at home and I, and I can't do it. It's too much. No, my son did it and he said it scared the shit out of him. Oh, okay. So he had a good journey. It's only like a 15, 20 minute hike. Yeah. Or but he thing. said he felt like, someone was trying to take all of his energy, his life force from him. He felt like he was dying and it was very scary. But I mean, I got to tell you, I was worried about my son even starting. Cause I'm like, what are you? I don't think you're ready for this. Like your brain's not even done developing, yeah. but see, I do it with him. And mm-hmm. the conversations that we have, are yeah. amazing and it's really cool to see him re-examine life in mm-hmm. just this small time frame he's been aware of it and for him to be able to shift and re-examine it so easily and it not feel like his identity is being lost i really love that and yeah. i think it takes a certain amount of maturity and i'm not gonna lie i i think i have very mature children i homeschool and I have very deep conversations with my kids. And so I, I know that they're mature, but I mean, even at that point, I was like, I don't think you're ready for this shit. I had to wait till I was 40. What are you doing? And, um, but they're doing really good with it. And I think I just continue to learn more about, I don't even know, like I find myself accepting my reality more and more. Mm-hmm. With every yeah. journey, like it did, even the things that used to worry me, the things that would create panic or, you know, even just re- watching the news or seeing what's going on, it used to, re- sometimes it would keep me up at night. And now I just think I don't have to hold on to worry for that. And nope. you can just kind of flow. Yeah. And that's the whole machine in itself, you know, the fear factor of the news, you know, it is, it's just fear frequency. That's cool that you guys can bond like that. Um, that's different. I just found out my mom smokes weed. Like really? The last time. Oh, yeah. my, and, my parents always smoked weed. <laughs> Ever yeah, since I was little. And it, I thought it would bother me, but it didn't. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, but her, her old man uh, smokes weed. And I think he used to be a smuggler at one time, the way he talks. He's a truck yeah. driver. And he's like, yeah, we used to make runs out the Humboldt County a lot. And he'd laugh. I'm like, and you smoke weed? What are you talking about? Wow. So, but he's got it. You know, he gets medical. And we're talking about growing some because you can have four plants in Illinois for medical people. Everybody should be able to have plants. But, you know, the ones that have one, it's only medical people in Illinois. If so, everybody had plants, how would the government get money from it? Well, yeah, Colorado have a hundred plants and just legal growing in your own place. 
because I got friends out there that was getting everybody they knew a medical card and you could grow for other people. So like, you know, I don't know how to grow that shit. Well, I'll grow it for you full of these friends that had these medical cards <laughs> that were sick, you know, but um, all grown that weed and that's all underground. It didn't stop the underground no. movement and it didn't hurt the, the um, commercial unit. Uh, no. The, the, it's interesting. I think they can, element. yeah, they can work together. I think they can work together. And in fact, they keep the rates mm -hmm. competitive because the more states in the area that legalize it, the cheaper it becomes yeah. for us in Minnesota where it's not legal yet. I think medicinally it is. Yeah. But cool. Yeah. So, and I mean, I like that. And that's yeah. capitalism for you, the competition there. Yeah. It's free market, you know? And I like the underground aspect, and I don't like people killing each other. I, I think the, the underground should thrive, you know, because it's been uh, pretty faithful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't even, I don't go to dispensaries crazy in taxes here. You know, Are they? I've been like three dispensaries since it's been legal, and I'm like, nah, screw that shit. It's like novel. It's n nothing, or when I was going, it was nothing like, um, Colorado's dispensaries, which are really done up nice. They got it down out there. Yeah. Uh, I think they do, you know, come from my, my perspective. There may be some internal grumbling going on and how things are done within the cannabis community there, but I think it's fucking cool. You walk in, there's jars of all these different strands. You can look at what you want uh, and, you know, just shelves and uh, glass casings. You can point and ask and people can you can smell and touch. Smell them. Smell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not touch. I bet COVID might change some of that. I don't know. Can but, you still uh, smell them? Give me the jars. I want to smell them. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. But here you like meet some dude in line or you have to do the order on an uh, iPad and then you have to wait and go behind this closed door and it's real clinical feeling. Mm. And they just got your shit already out in a basket and you're just paying like $900 for an eight. What? <laughs> That's what it seems. Well, it seems that way. God, look at the tax. No. no, I think you're right. I know. I mean, I know some people who have medicinal access and they will charge you like $150 an eighth. And I'm like, okay, well, back in my day, we mm. had ethics and fuck you. So... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, not I didn't do no nine hundred dollars stuff, but yeah, you're talking more little thin, little can of edible espresso coffee beans. I like them some bitches. Really? Nobody, nobody makes those in their home kitchen and no. Yeah. Huh. You ever had them? You like edible. coffee? I like coffee and I like coffee beans, but they're putting the cannabis in the coffee beans? Yeah, little edible espresso coffee beans. When I got to Colorado, I grabbed those suckers when I'm out there. Oh my God, that sounds so good. It really does. That's good. They're, they're only a little five, like it's five, yeah, five milligram bites, but you know, yeah. you can pop a whole handful of me. <laughs> I've had, I had an edible, I think like a year ago and I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't really, I think I didn't realize what I was undertaking and, <laughs> you know, cause I was like, my tolerance level is so high. This is not going to do shit to me. And I ate this whole thing. And my daughter was like, you're not supposed to eat the whole thing. Oh, my God. Because I guess it was pretty yeah. highly dosed. And wow, that was like a 10-hour journey. That, yeah, it was like a Tuesday. <laughs> I got so much laundry done. I think I weeded my gardens. I mean, and, and for me, cannabis works in this weird stimulant way where it makes me uber productive. And so... Praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I can't be, I'm not yeah. a good stoner couch potato. If I smoke weed, it's like, what can I get done? That's cool. And that was, that was awesome. That was, that, that was the one time I had it and it, I couldn't believe how long it lasted. And I was like, the things they can do with this shit now, you know? Cause I, I was know. like, oh, it's oh, scary kind of, isn't it? Yeah. How fucking easy that stuff fucks yeah. you up. How concentrated it's they could get it. Yeah, there's some wicked science going on there, isn't there? Yes. Wicked good. It is so you know, wicked good. When I first started going, I, I used to work on a house in Colorado. And the first year I went out there was 2014, the year that they legalized it. And I was working for a grower. And so I had access to that stuff. And I, you know, they're how, Denver's a mile high. 
and their house was another damn mile high. So smoking weed when you're a, a prairie guy, I'm in the prairie, or, or doing weed in a uh, high elevation will jack you the fuck up. And I didn't realize that. And I was doing like these 30 milligram edibles that were kicking my ass for 30 hours and high altitude. And I went out there to work and I was, uh, I was the shittiest worker there. <laughs> I was just dragging around. <laughs> like, wait, what am I doing? I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I had three other helpers the same damn way. <laughs> we're just stoned. But yeah, you got to watch that altitude if you're not used to that. What's the out? You guys in a hilly place or? Um, I think we're 1300 feet above sea level. Okay. Okay. Something like that. I only know that because I can in the summer and I need to know that for my pressure cooker. No, we pretty flat out here. Yeah. Wow. I would imagine that would be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Go climb a mountain to... and get high. <laughs> Yeah, but you're trying to work and make a good impression for these characters. Because <laughs> so, mm -hmm. they were characters. Mm -hmm. Now, see, here in Minnesota, when it gets really humid and you still have to work in your garden, smoking weed can actually help you stay kind of cool. It's a weird thing. And I've read about it. I read about it on High Times, and I was like, oh, so you mean I can smoke weed before I garden? And it won't make me... And so, no joke, one time I tried it, and it was so fucking humid, but I had to be in my garden that day. And mm. it was really fucking hot, and I was, you know, soaking my clothes, and I had water, and I, I did. I smoked a joint, and I was able to stay out there longer, and I just wasn't freaking out. And I don't know if it was maybe just because it calmed my reactive and response system, but it was incredible. Oh. And so I was like, go smoke a joint before you garden, people. It is so holistic and spiritual. Just do it. Good. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make me want to garden, though. Uh, I know I'm weird. I'm weird. <laughs> I know most people are like, don't, don't you want to smoke a joint and sit down and watch something? And I can't sit no, still. No, no. I like it that you're active and creative and getting things done. That's a, that's a good vibe. There's too, we just kind of touched on it. There's too many people sitting around doing nothing and looking at screens. You know? Yeah. No, not me, not you here. You got to work this earth. You got to work this. Yeah. Do you garden? I suppose you're moving around um, a lot. No, this house, well, this house, when I first moved here, um, 2000, I'm living in the hood house right now. That's what I call it. But it was a, a house church. I was part of a house church movement. That's how I know Jamal, because Jamal oh. was part of the. I don't really know him, but I met him. We hung out in a couple of house church uh, scenarios. We went out to Zaxby's, and I don't know if he remembers, but that was like in 2009. Wow. But um, we went to a, um, a house church conference with Frank Viola and Oh, wow. Some other jagoffs were putting on down there in Orlando. And uh, <laughs> he was there. And I mean, I even hung out with him a little bit. He's a cool guy. He is Good cool. Guy. Oh, I, that's, that's the reason I went to the hair tech happy. Uh, yeah. It was Jamal. Yeah. But um, so uh, well, I don't know where I was going with this. What are we talking about? Oh, my house. <laughs> the garden. So, Why you don't garden? Oh, yeah. So this is like a house church outreach kind of house. I'm, you know, I'm dedicated to the house church people. Because when I was homeless before I got this house, I was going to a house church. And those people were letting me crash on their couch and, you know, let me house it. So I really didn't have to lock into a place. So they were good to me. So I thought, you know, and I was kind of a passion of mine. I really liked the house church movement. And so I opened this house up and we we packed people in here. We'd have like a potluck and, and uh, on Wednesdays. And then, um, then we'd have a church service on my front porch, uh, singing music, you know, doing, and just talking, you know, no preacher stuff. But so anyway, the whole, I turned the whole yard into an edible yard. I had strawberry front, out front, sweet potatoes, beans. I had cat mint oh. to keep the pest away. Yeah. And peas crawling up along my, um, porch in the front you know and, and i just wanted to make everything edible and so i did we, and people chimed in and you know brought their sweat and equity in there and we made garden and we kind of gave stuff away i still got a peach tree out front it's, it's badass peach tree that uh, the neighbors pick off of but the garden stuff anymore most of my yard is dog shit right now <laughs> you know most of our <laughs> our yards are cow shit chicken shit pig shit I mean, there's shit everywhere here too. So I can relate to that. Yeah. I, uh, I have, my sister lives five miles from me and she homeschools her kids too. 
Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, we have all these plots, right? Cause we've shrunk our garden. We used to have a garden that was like a third of an acre. And I did farmer's market and all this shit all the time. And I got sick of it and I've shrunk it. But I said, you know, you guys could plot your own garden. You could come out here once a week. You can tend it. It's homeschool, mm-hmm. but it's also connecting with the earth. And because they don't have, they have, you know, the small, this small little space, they can't have a garden. So I'm doing that. And then my daughter, she lives like 20 minutes away. And I said, set up your own garden, grow whatever you want. And then we can here, we, we do everything mm-hmm. here. You take it home and you got your winter plan. And so she's really excited to do that, which is odd because the 10 years I've been doing it, she never really wanted to help. Mm-hmm. But now that she's a mom, she wants a different kind of, you know, lifestyle. And, wants yeah. to, and I see more and more people moving towards that. So I like super encourage people with the gardening, the whole edible yard thing. Corey's aunt and uncle did that. They turned their entire yard into an edible garden and it mm-hmm. pissed the neighbors off so bad. Yeah. But, mine too. Yep. Right. Because they're, they worry that it's not aesthetically pleasing without seeing how abundant it is. And so gardening's like the way to go right now that, and I think that is kind of a fuck you to the government and it's a fuck you to the system when people yeah. take a little bit more responsibility for their diet and their health. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it, it tastes so much better and you can get so many different varieties that you can't go down to the store and grab, you know, you can really do it up and have a great salad, <laughs> you know, not just a no, piece of shit. That, you know. No joke. Yeah. And yeah. the taste is incomparable. I, that yeah. is the first thing I noticed when I, let's see, me and Corey started gardening like right away when we moved in together. So like for 14 years And that was the first thing I realized. I was like, why does this taste so different, you know, from what I'd been eating from the grocery store all my life? And it was, Mm -hmm. because you're biting into something divine (laughs) (laughs) when you grow it, when you grow it. So, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I, kind of got turned on to that, that um, feed people with the garden vibe when I used to go out to Oregon a lot and CSAs were really kicking in back back in those days. It's like in, oh, 2000. 2004 and I kind of got an idea like you got all these little old people that have been growing gardens in the back of their yard forever you know and they'll put their little card table out and they have their tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever and just like a little uh, trust box you just drop a little money in there and take it you know my town's got stuff like that you know mm-hmm. like why couldn't we do like a CSA like that just tap in these people who are already growing their gardens mm-hmm. And say, hey, we can move this product and get to people's, um, you know, groceries that don't that don't eat like this, you know, and make a CSA out of everybody that's grown in Decatur and not just like one big off-site, you know, uh, conglomerate, you know, some big field or farm or something like that. But I thought yeah. that was a cool idea. And so I talked to some people. The Unitarians were really open to this idea. So I got to hang out with some really cool Unitarians. And then... Um, I kind of loused out. I didn't want to do it, you know, and I didn't talk to anybody. And then shortly after that, uh, something popped up. It was called Dig. Decatur is growing gardens, and they were doing that. They were growing food in these empty lots because this town's like a rust belt town. There's been a lot of uh, industry leave. So we've got a lot of empty lots. Um, and so they were doing that, and I thought that was a really cool thing. And so I don't know how successful it is any, anymore, but. I think volunteers was the problem getting people to help because that's work. You know? It is. You got That's a labor of love. And then there was a lot of problems with the empty lots, you know, having lead paint in the soils and stuff, and they couldn't really use the soil there. They had to, either had to remove it or bring soils in. You know, Detroit, I think, um, is a good example of, of the community doing something like that, where they're taking these vacant lots and, and making farms out of them. I like that. I, I do like too. That vibe. I, I I want that for our future, you know. I do too. I uh, think bones and grow some fucking tomatoes. Fuck yeah! And let remind kids that tomatoes grow from the ground, not the grocery store. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like all, I'm my, an old man with a lot of pipe dreams. So yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, I did that, and you know, my older kids fought against me all the years that we gardened. And now that they've moved away, they miss that. 
and they miss the 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 abundance. Yeah. They miss the harvest of it. And even butchering the chickens, I mean, that was such a especially for my eldest daughter. But now she's like, well, Damien can do it, her fiance, and I'll bring, you know, Oliver, my grandson, and he can be a part of this, just like all of my younger children were. And I mean, I don't know what happened. It's like they moved away and then they realized how important that foundation was that they learned and they didn't want to let it go. And I think that's what we were hoping for. But part of us were like, they're going to just go off and turn into these city folk and need a life of convenience. And they're not. And so they're, they're wanting to, I think, give back. And so for me, that's my contribution to humanity. And hopefully yeah, that that's, can... that's from you. <laughs> Isn't that, you know, and, and I have so much hope for young people, though. You know, we really need to be pouring into these folks right. Yeah. Because I, you know, and I don't want to sound genocidal, but I really think once the ba- baby boomers are dead, <laughs> I think the society's going to be a lot better. I have said something similar, right? And I'm not, I just think once that gen- once the boomers are out of here, then things mm. will change significantly. We will see a significant shift. And we. I don't think we'll have to be holding on so tight to these old ideals. I think that's what it is. I mean, everyone mm. in that age group just doesn't want to let go. And yeah. I get it. You were taught not to let go. You were taught to fight for it and hold on to it. But we don't need to cling to shit in order to get stuff done. <laughs> so I'm with you on that. I know. And then as Gen hey, Xers will step up. The sex, my parents were part of the sexual revolution, too. Yeah. Oh, how no, old are you? I'm 51. Are you? I'm 40. Yeah. Yeah. But your parents were a part of it. My parents were too. I was born in 69. Yeah. Oh, good year. It's a good year. Good good year to arrive. That's my dad's dream car year. uh, 69 Mustang. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's got a thing about muscle cars. I grew up with muscle cars. Yeah. I'm not a car person. I just drive because I have to. I could only tell you cars. I I can appreciate them. Yeah. I could tell you only, I could tell you what a car was between like 1950 and 1988. And then beyond that, I was like, I don't know, but I learned a lot. I was trying, I always tried to be my dad's little boy. He never had a boy. (laughs) That's cool. You got that. You had that connection. Yeah. 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 So is he going to get, is he going to get a 69 Mustang? Is he just I don't know. He's in Wyoming now, and I think he's just looking for a laid-back life once he retires. And I don't know. I don't know. That's a good place to be, Wyoming. Yeah, he was born there. He was born there, and so he moved back. And so he's in Casper, and his dad and his brothers are there. And so, yeah, that's a spot. And I'm like, cool, I'm staying here. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I like the winters that, too much. He's from, he, he's from, well, winters up there aren't necessarily, you know, the, they're not, they're badass winters, aren't they? Wyoming though, they get like trapped, trapped because there's nobody what do you mean? when the winters get bad. That's over what I there. mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's badass. It like shuts yeah. shit down for yeah. a long time. Forever. Yeah, so, and I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Where are you? Are you from Minnesota originally though? Yeah, I was born out here. I was born in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. And yeah, I've never left Minnesota. I mean, I've I've gone to Canada. I can literally name. So Canada, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, South Dakota. Those are mm-hmm. that's where I've been. And I've never been on a plane. <laughs> oh wow, lady. I well, am you've been a lot of places in Sagittarius. your mind. I, I have, but I'm not a typical Sagittarius. I do not travel. I do not yeah. like travel. You don't? What? You seem to be doing okay to me. I'm doing okay. But I, I like hearing that you travel because it's super cool. And I can kind of live vicariously through that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I think... I think um, part of that thinking with that, that witchcraft stuff. And I kind of had this before is that we, 
should live our lives to the fullest because there's people that can't. I know. You know what I mean? There's people that are maybe bedridden or crippled or just can't, you know, they're the economic poverty or, you know, whatever's is holding them back from the, so why not live your fullest life? Cause they would be doing it if they could switch places with you. Yeah. You know, definitely. If, I, if I was paralyzed, I'd be want, wanting to go out and do things. Wanting to Believe see me. other people live it out that you can't. Yeah. yeah. But, and not have resentment for the people that are right. doing what you can't. Yeah. Right. Unless yeah. they're dicks. Well, <laughs> Fuck them dickheads. Well, most humans are <laughs> stupid dickheads. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cuss on your radio well, program. Always. This is a radio show too. <laughs> it's my radio program. Um, it's okay. I I have oh. an explicit warning. So <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Well, I need to be mindful of your time, and I have another recording shortly. So we're going to conclude here. But I just want to say thank you for talking to me. Yeah. And recording this with me and i really i really enjoy having conversations with you guys yeah it was cool i I enjoyed this as well was it what you expected it was so much more oh that's really nice (laughs) yeah you go do your thing girl i'll do my thing keep in touch i'm sure i'll talk soon yeah what so i'd like here like how do i tap back in are you going to publish this Yeah.